Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens, strength coach. I own Strength Guild. Um, I also run USSF, among other things. So a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and just all-around amazing person. So, And today with us, we got Matt Jones. We're going to get into his story here in a little bit. Matt, thanks for joining us. Yep, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Okay, uh, guys. Lonnie, what do you got for yeah, us, Yeah, um, you want to start with the listener mail or the news? Let's go listener mail. Oh, okay. This one you guys could both chime in on probably um, from Seth. Hey, guys, love the show. Uh, listen to every episode, even referenced earlier shows. Uh, I truly appreciate all the things you do. Missing Fortress, of course. Thank you. I've always been into bodybuilding, uh, bodybuilding lifestyle, but now I'm getting more into powerlifting. Also, I have a slight spine scoliosis and one leg an inch larger than the other. I squatted a few years ago with one leg about an inch farther in front of the other as this was unnoticed uh, and felt natural. Should I worry about staying with my feet perfect uh, in the squat or go with what's comfortable? Uh, I also have more muscular hypertrophy on one side of my lower back. This was found out during a routine physical you know, visit to the chiropractor, I guess. Uh, I noticed when I squat, my hips tend to swing outwards to the right, uh, which is the larger leg side. Any advice would be more than appreciated. Please let me know, Seth. Welcome to my world. That's what I thought, That's, Phil. It's right? exactly what I have. <laughs> I mean, my, my left erect, spinal erector is literally twice the size of the right. And my right glute is twice the size of the left, and my right leg is at least an inch bigger than the left. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you've been battling scoliosis and stuff like that for your whole life, it's just your body's way of adjusting. So, I mean, I'd definitely roll with, with what feels right, but that's not saying you don't need to treat that left side. Like, for me, it's a lot of, I have to spend a lot of time doing unilateral stuff on that side. You don't want to just ignore that, that other side. You want to give it some extra work, but at the same time realize that it probably never will catch up. But the closer you can get them, the better, uh, is is what I'd do. Because um, mm-hmm. I got the same thing. Like my my hip was rebuilt, and my my left leg is not only big or smaller, but it's longer. So it's like an inch and a half longer than the right. So I'm all off kilter. And uh, how much of that is better now, Phil? Since your surgery, are you gonna? Do you think you're gonna even out and not have the one-sided hypertrophy? No, I don't. Th- I'm actually an inch. We measured, and I somehow I magically got an inch taller after surgery. So <laughs> wow, <laughs> I think it's even longer than it was. So like my mono, it was weird because my monolift height and everything has changed. But I'm definitely my hips sit more level uh, level now. We've noticed. I mean, when I'm going into a squat, but. And I think it's going to help just do – I'm not in pain, so I can do that extra work more on the left side. But I can tell you, that, I mean, the, the left side will never – my left side will never be what the right side is. It just won't. Um, gotcha. I'm battling 30, 
one years. Right. So catch up 31 years. You're not going to undo so, that in, in six weeks. No. You know? And, uh, you know, the only way I could potentially do it is just like totally let the right side a trophy <laughs> and work the left. That's not an option. Right. You know, I, I will not do that. No. So All in the sake of symmetry. Yeah. It's yes. not like you're into bodybuilding or something. Exactly. Anyway. Exactly. So, I mean, I can tell you, I squatted 300 pounds for the first time last week and it felt super easy, but I can already feel myself with that weight shifting to old habits of everything's done with just the right side. So I got to be careful of that. And right now it's for me, it's, and it might be something that he does is just be, start being conscious of how much weight is standing on each foot. Like what we did is we put two, we put me on two scales and literally I hold like 85% of my weight on the right side. So that's an interesting way to look at that. uh, Yeah. And and then so what I started doing is being conscious of how much weight is actually on the left when I'm squatting and stuff like that. And I can feel it now just from being conscious of it when I, man, that one shifted all to the right. So next rep, I'll try and change it and put more weight on that other side. I don't know. I'd be a little conscious of not not being stagger stanced. I mean, if you do that, fine. Maybe do a few sets with lighter weight where you're staggered in the other direction. Um, like I said, just trying, attempting to balance things out as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um with the caveat of you're never gonna, you're just never gonna be balanced. So, yeah. But I mean, good on you for not letting it stop you. I mean, yeah, it's so, a good question. What you know, what's comfortable versus what's yeah. what's quote unquote perfect. And yeah. I mean, you know, I was stunned. I think I mentioned this on the show before, but um, I was looking at new possible books for like teaching kinesiology classes and stuff. And one of them said that human anatomy books are. Uh, they're approximations because there's only like 70% similarity anatomically from person to person, like if you get down on a detailed level. So trying to come up with what's perfect, uh, well, that's that's a construct. You know what I mean? That's an imaginary perfect thing. And um, I like what you're saying, though. Try to get as balanced as you can. But, yeah, uh, yeah don't try to be somebody else's perfect either, Yeah, you know. And that's one thing people forget, and I pull this up all the time. Like, I was training a new person yesterday, and mm-hmm. medical anatomical neutral and medical anatomical balanced is not real world. You know, it just right. isn't. Yep. We're always going to have something going on, and you're always going to be battling something. It's just we use that kind of as a as a, a measuring stick, knowing that you'll never reach it. You're never yeah, going to be Vitruvius exactly. Man. You know? right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's good to to shoot for it a bit, you know, get closer to it. Kind so, of a rule of thumb. Yeah. yeah. So that's just like great cook and his FMS, you know, it's, there's a lot of people that get so worked up in that and they think, Oh, I need a perfect score. No, it's never made for that. It's, it's, it tells you what's wrong and what you can start giving attention to. You know, you're never going to get a perfect score. It's just getting closer to that. And it, and it, it, it tells you glaring weaknesses. So, right yeah, on. you know, you have a glaring weakness on that left side. So, Maybe give it every day that you train a little extra work, and that's going to catch it up some. So. Mm-hmm. You, you know, one-sided, like unilateral imbalances have always sort of interested me too because like, uh, because of my right elbow, my right arm is actually smaller now because I'm not able to do as much with it. And what, like you said, it's blasphemy to say, well, I'm just not going to train my left side so it'll shrink down to the same yeah, size. Exactly. <laughs> so. You know, one approach was always trying to put equal weight in each hand or like in the squat case, like you're saying, equal pressure on each foot uh-huh. to try to bring them together. And the other the other approach would be to work the weak side or, uh-huh. you know, the smaller side. I, Yeah, I, I'm not sure what else we can really say about that. You know? Yeah. 
I mean, I try to throw, and I have the same problem because that blew my shoulder. And so my right is way off the left. I'll just throw extra volume at that side. I can't do the same weight with it, but you know, I'm going to throw some extra volume over there, and hopefully it, I close that gap some. Right. You know, Seth, I will leave you with this. Um, maybe Google the term adapted physical education because there are whole textbooks on this stuff. You know, um, essentially not just like rehab, like physical therapy necessarily, but adapting to a person's physical differences, you know. So, okay, let's get to this other one. Matt, unless you had any comments on that, you got any gold nuggets there? Um, I, I would just say whatever um, you feel comfortable with. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, with my back, I had to bench in a totally different way. And um, I just had to work out the kinks. And if I don't feel comfortable with anything, I just don't even uh, screw around with it. But, I mean, like you said, everyone's body is different. Mm-hmm. Right. Just listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get to this next one here. Um, this one is uh, new to me. And I don't know if you guys have heard of this at all. But this is from uh, Ziv. Uh, He says, hi, guys. I've been listening to your podcast for a while, but I don't think I've heard you talk about MAP. Can you review and provide your thoughts on it? I'd really be interested to know if it has application in powerlifting and bodybuilding. And if so, why haven't we seen any vendors pushing it? And then he sent me an abstract link. So the MAP is the master amino acid pattern. And let me give you the title of this. Now, I'm skeptical, and I don't know. This could be some amazing discovery that other people aren't latching on to, but you know, usually the circles that I run in, there's there's some pretty heavy hitters in that group that I trust, guys like Stu Phillips you know, and uh, Wolf's Lab down in Texas, and there's all these guys doing protein work. But anyway, the master amino acid pattern, it says here, uh, here's the title. Master amino acid pattern as a substitute for dietary protein – during weight loss diet to achieve the body's nitrogen balance equilibrium with essentially no calories. So it says it was a, basically a multi-centered study. They were giving 10 grams or 10 tablets of this master amino acid pattern as a substitute for dietary protein once a day. And essentially it comes out to almost no calories, et cetera, et cetera. And people were able to maintain nitrogen balance and this and that. I don't know what's magical or, you know, what's special about the master amino acid pattern. Um, I don't know, Phil, have you heard of this at all? No, I'm reading on it right now. It's looking like it's some pretty dramatic claims here. There's actually a website, masteraminoacidpattern.com. I almost don't want to give it um, advertising before I know more. It looks like these guys are from Spain, these researchers, and they tend to heavily publish in the journal, I think it's Advances in Therapy. Uh, from the little bit I'm looking at, the first thing that jumps out to me is that it, it looks like a big sales pitch, but they compare these essential amino acids and the master amino acid plan to the first one is whey and soy proteins. And they say, basically you, 83% of those leave your body as waste. And then that meat and fish and poultry are a little better. 32% get absorbed. 68% leave as waste. Eggs are winners. You use 48%. But these master amino acids, you use 90%, 99%. So only 1% leave your body as waste. Um, yeah, it's, it, I agree. It comes across slightly sales pitchy. They have yeah. found their way into the peer-reviewed literature several times. But one, that title that I just read you, if the English sounded a little bit off, it is. Now, sometimes you will see that in journals, but usually the higher-end journals will make some corrections for for awkward English. 
you know, like to say body's nitrogen balance equilibrium. It's a little redundant. I don't know. But uh, like I said, it's the same journal, um, paper after paper. Some of these are in track and field athletes, um, some weight loss. Uh, I don't know. I'm getting commercial vibe from it and again yeah. i'm not calling foul or anything but i've never heard of it before and i would think that some of the the researchers that i know are legitimate and publish heavily in widely accepted high tier journals they don't mention this sort of thing they play with different essential amino acids all the time too they'll give people just the nine essential amino acids and compare that with um regular you know uh full complement proteins you know they have all 20 of the amino acids uh, there's a lot of comparisons with different things i know commercially god back in the 80s and 90s there was an attempt to sell a uh, human muscle protein which mm -hmm. sounds cannibalistic but yeah. basically is uh, the idea was here's the amino acid pattern in muscle it's exactly what you have in your body so that's what you should yeah. eat and you know that didn't really pan out like i said m in my understanding there's a lot of protein researchers we've had some of them on the show like nick bird these guys are high-end world-class protein researchers and they routinely look at different mixtures of essential amino acids like i said versus other proteins or whey versus soy versus casein they're always looking at different amino acid patterns but I'm curious, and I don't know, I haven't looked enough into this, but w how they found this master amino acid pattern. Yeah. You know, like exactly what does that mean? Uh, it does sound a bit commercial. And, you know, if these guys want to come out of the woodwork and uh, come on the show, come on the show. Yeah. <laughs> my million dollar idea and my question is, and I think we've talked about it before, but now it hits more home because I have a six week old son. Why have none of these companies created like a copy of breast milk protein you know you got those groups that are like oh we're not meant to drink cow milk i mean with today's age somebody could basically put that stuff in a chronograph figure out exactly what's in it and then reproduce it in the mass quantities you know well they did sell like, they did sell colostrum you know, yeah. which is supposed to be, of course, it's special breast milk, the first, I, I can't remember how many hours yeah. of a woman's life, you know, and it's really yeah. rich in aminoglobulins and special, yeah. you know, features. Uh, and I think you can, I'm sure you can still find that stuff online. It seems a little odd, but yeah. it's true. You're right, because, I mean, breast milk is like a growth vector. It, it, oh, it, man, this, it, like my son is just drives blowing it. up. Yeah. <laughs> so if I could make yeah. the gains he's gaining, it's like, wow. But, you know, I, even if it was as simple as, okay, instead of 80-20 whey casein or whatever, like cow's milk, mm -hmm. you know, it's 60-40 it's or whatever, you know. Right. <clears throat> Just find the exact ratio that it yeah, is. Yeah, human milk has less protein per ounce than cow's yeah. milk, uh, if I remember right. Uh, I'm, I'm not a specialist on the maternal And I think the whey and casein is way different amounts, but. Mm -hmm. It's all um, those special features, antibodies and stuff. And, yeah. You know. You know, how much of that, though, is the baby's physiology versus just the nutrients, yeah. you know, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, weightlifters, why do we lift? To try to become anabolic. But babies mm -hmm. are just naturally anabolic, yeah. you know. All right, I've got one more little bit there uh, before we get to Matt. This is something that I came across. It's I don't know if I'd call it an alarmist piece, but uh, soy is, again, um, on the shit list, basically, the title of this is Soybean Oil Causes More Obesity, Diabetes, Than Fructose and Coconut Oil. Mm. So this is from the uh, San Diego Tribune, 
and it says, let's see, a greater degree of obesity and diabetes results from a diet high in soybean oil than one high in fructose or coconut oil, UC Riverside scientists say in a study released Wednesday. So this is from Bradley Fikes. Um, this was late July 2015, so this is new stuff. The study was published in PLOS One, uh, uh, Public Library of Science. Uh, it was performed in mice, actually. But if confirmed in people, this guy is saying that, you know, all the things we constantly condemn fructose. And a lot of people, it's funny, they'll condemn coconut oil because it's a saturated fat. But then proponents of coconut oil will say, but yeah, but it's medium chain. Like 60% of that fat is medium chain triglycerides. You digest and you burn it differently. And, you know, so it might it might actually worsen your blood lipid profile or your heart disease risk. But for weight management, it could be even better. You know, stuff like that. So there's there's two sides to look at coconut oil. And to be honest, I, I'm not a big fan of fructose. Partly it's the way we consume it. But you will see fructose in some weight gainers because it has such a low glycemic index. It doesn't swing your blood sugar. So you have to be careful demonizing things. You know, when you read mm-hmm. science, you don't hear good or bad. You'll you'll hear increase or decrease. We You know, we try to stay objective in, in some of these ways because, like I said, Fructose and coconut oil, they actually have their pros and cons. It says, uh, the study led by Francis Sladek, a UCR professor of cell biology and neuroscience, adds to evidence that labeling categories of food as simply good or bad um, simplifies a more complex, messy reality. It says, some studies find that the current dietary recommendations to increase the consumption of polyunsaturated fats and decrease saturated fats just aren't justified by the evidence. And when I read stuff like that, it's a little irksome to me because back in the day, you know, I would hear dietitians say, increase your polyunsaturated fats. Well, which one? My God, that's a gigantic category. Uh-huh. Fish oils are in that category, corn oil, soybean oil. Uh, wow. You know, most vegetable oils are in that polyunsaturated category. So I think a lot of lifters... Um, at least in my experience, they just focus on the monounsaturated fats like olive oil, what you'll see in peanut oil, avocado, you know, stuff like that. Because apparently it can maintain testosterone concentrations and stuff like that. And it's a good calorie source. And I don't think anybody's going to say that monounsaturates are bad for you. I mean, that's like the whole Mediterranean diet, you know, live longer kind of thing. So I won't go into the gory details of this. I'm, I'm going to take a, a closer look at this. Uh, just like I'll probably take a closer look at that master amino acid pattern thing. Well, maybe that one. Hmm. But I don't know. I just find this funny because back in the 90s and early 2000s, it seems like every dietetics conference I went to was underwritten by the like the soy growers of America and this and that. Yeah. And not only did soy protein start to get ripped on for uh, <clears throat> for not supporting muscle growth the way dairy proteins do. I mean, Stu Phillips mm-hmm. has done some of that work. Um, in fact, there's some really damning data out there that soy just doesn't really help with with muscle gains much at all um since we can remove lactose from the dairy proteins now why would you not consume a whey or a casein unless you're allergic i guess you know um and i don't mean lactose intolerant but actual allergic but anyway yeah here it is not just soy protein you know being sort of um dumped upon but soybean oil itself i mean this stuff is ubiquitous right i mean Safflower, corn oil, soybean oil, it's in everything. And, uh, yeah, if, if, I, if this pans out, I'm going to follow up on uh, this guy Fikes and see what I can find. But 
Wow. You know, yeah. I, I'm not sure what the so- – there's, there's soy crops all across my state, you know, oh, yeah. in Ohio. If it's not corn, it's soy. Yeah. I don't know what these guys are going to do. Um, yeah. Sell soy ink. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. all right. Well, that's, that's the news. Thanks for waiting, Matt. All right. So we got Matt today. I'll just give you a short rundown, um, and then we're going to let him talk. But basically, what, you're a multi-time record holder, world champion, tons of state records, four weight classes, I think. And, uh, sure, yep. and, and then we're going to get into, you know, basically massive injury, which we'll come into later and when we segue into the topic and then coming back from that. So um, let's just talk about, basically, we start out with everybody, how you got started in in the lifting thing. Um. Back in high school, um, you know, just lifting with a couple buddies, I just fell in love with the sport uh, with, like, lifting and staying in shape, and um, one of these guys from the gym said I should enter in a competition, and I entered in it, and next thing I know, I'm uh, traveling the whole entire country, you know, <laughs> lifting, and and it, it was just a crazy experience. Um, my first powerlifting, I mean, I went there by myself. Uh, I'm not, I, I always go raw now. When I first started, I was told I had to wear like a bench shirt, and I bought like an eight eight sizes way too big of a bench shirt. And um, it was funny they they had a powerlifting team at a gym that it was like five minutes away from my house. I never knew about, and they kind of took me under their wing, and I just I fell in love with the sport ever since then. Speaking of that, it's interesting how many gyms are like that. I mean, mine is one of them in powerlifting. Sorry to get off topic, but it's like people will finally get invited and show up and they're like i had no clue you were here it's like yeah we've been here like six years <laughs> and powerlifting yeah. gyms are the only ones that are like that it's like what do you do for advertising yeah we don't you know we yeah. run into the right people and then you're invited so yeah, uh, some of the guys on the team there's a highland michigan and there's a highland park michigan and my name came up saying from highland and i thought i was like oh this kid can't be from highland like, yeah i'm Five minutes. I'm right off the Milford Road, the same street the gym's on. Yeah. I just had no idea about it, and it's crazy to think about it that it was there the whole entire time. So, you know, basically, you you, you segued from there, and so you just started going meets, meets, and meets. And when, how long did it take before the the record started falling and the world champion stuff? Um, it took me two and a half years to uh, break the state record and the national record. Um. I tried, I had, I think, I believe, three or four attempts. The first one, someone yelled in the crowd, from, you know, just a, a normal, a, being a beginner lifter, uh, someone yelled in the crowd, and I thought it was a press command. I went up, even, I should have known I'd even touch my chest. The second time was I couldn't lock it out. And then, the, uh, yeah, the third time, I had probably like a centimeter to, to just to lock it out, and I couldn't get it. And then I finally got the uh, state record at the... Uh, World Championships out in uh, Las Vegas, so it was pretty cool getting that out there. Yeah. So let's talk about you know the injury and uh, you know exactly what happened. This will segue into our little break, and then we'll, we're going to talk about coming back from injuries and stuff. I was um, I started my back started feeling sore. I want to say probably because I competed at the um, the AAU Junior Olympics. Mm-hmm. I, I don't say I hurt my back then. It's just it kind of got sore when I'd wake up and throughout the day to get better. And um, it went away, and so I was deadlifting at, at the World Championships, and I was pulling 501 raw just with a belt, and I was coming up past my knees, and I hit a sticking, and I tried moving my chest out, which I 
to this day, I have no idea why I did that. I never do it. I always try to keep the bar kind of more out towards my legs. Mm-hmm. And I just felt uh, this tight. It's really hard to explain, like the tightness. And and as soon as I put the weight down and I, and I clipped my belt, I mean, my back just, it felt like I had hot knives going in my back. And had to put the, I don't want to say the worst thing was probably taking a four-hour plane ride back home with a bad back. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's when it happened. And then um, went to the hospital, and they told me I only had a bulging disc, which, I mean, I don't know what a bulging disc feels like, but, like, what I was feeling, I could tell you it wasn't just that. Mm-hmm. Like, and then that's when they did the CAT scan and found out I ended up having four ruptured discs, uh, two torn discs, and then spinal uh, stenosis of the narrowing of the spinal canal. Yep. Mm-hmm. I ended up, um, they wanted to do, like, uh, pain men, like, injection shots on epidurals. Um, that didn't really help. I mean, it helped for five minutes, and the pain would just come right back. And then um, I had surgery on March 10th, and it was from there. It was just a long road. I mean, I had to learn how to walk again, how mm-hmm. to um, honestly stand up, and I was in a walker for a long time. I went on a trip to California with my parents, and um, I had to be pushed around a wheelchair just because it was so... So just all the walking, it was so hard for me. And it, and then they um they wanted to do another back surgery. And as as goofy as it sounds, and um I was it was Christmas Eve, and I was um sitting in bed trying to go to sleep because um having bad back pain, sleep is kind of you you just you just never get it. And I looked outside and there was a shooting star, and all and all I wished was for my back pain to go away and so I could lift again. Because, I mean, being told you can never lift again when lifting is your whole entire life, it, it you know, it hurts, you know. It's, yeah. You know, you guys can probably relate to it. And um, I woke up the next day on Christmas, and I felt like uh, like half my back pain was gone. I was walking a lot better because I was walking kind of uh, favoring my left side. And then about a couple weeks later is... Um, when I decided to go back to the gym. What what choice did you did you have uh, surgery wise? What did they end up doing surgery? Oh, sur- uh, surgery wise, they um, did a um, decompression where they go in, and I don't know the like the jelly stuff. I, I don't know the technical term for it um, or the medical term. It's where they go in and they remove that because they wanted to do a fusion, a level yeah. three fusion. And I was like, you know, I'm 25 years old. I don't. I mean, I. I don't want to go through a big surgery like that. Yeah. At 25. So I went this way. They said it might work. It might not work. And I mean, thank God that it did. Yeah. From what I know of it is like fusion is the last thing to do. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. Cause once you, once you have it, I mean, you can't just, you know, take it out. It's, um, yeah. they print it, it's just a cage and a whole metal bracket and you lose a lot of um, mobility. Yeah. And you don't really can, can't flex that good anymore. Let's take a short break, and then I want to get into, you know, then, so we're to the day you came back to the gym. I want to get into the comeback. So we'll take a short commercial break, and we'll go from there.
Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. <laughs> your weekly fix of iron radio in addition to being a popular institute on itunes we are also on email simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email you'll get a once per week email no more that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio so go for it <laughs> Hi guys, we're back after the short break, and uh, again we're back with Matt Jones. And like like we talked about before, we've been through kind of like the origin story, and then the injury, and then the step back into the gym. So we want to get kind of into the uh, the comeback and things like that. So I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot, but I don't think we've ever had anybody on with a a massive back injury that really talked about this. So let's go from there. So what did you what did you have to face then? starting coming back what were you able to do and then how did you uh you know progress from there um i mostly did um i started off on all the like the machines cable machines hammer strength machines which um i, I mean i still use them uh just it was really pretty big for me it was really lightweight i mean it was start off with like 30 35 pounds something that i would never honestly think of like doing uh -huh. but i just kept telling myself take every day day by day, you know, and I just look back, and I'm like, hey, at least I'm in the gym, I'm walking a lot better, my pain's gone, and be thankful for, you know, little things, you know, and, uh, because a lot of people, when they come in, um, the gym I go to is, um, they'll complain about something, and there's something goofy, and to me, it's just, just be thankful, you know, for all the things that you do have, because when I hurt my back, I mean, it just, it, Open my eyes up to a lot of things yeah. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I started working out, and then like saying I, I'm part of a powerlifting team, and um, they uh, were 100 percent supportive about it. If it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't have made the comeback that I had. Started benching. I had to bench my feet up on to on the bench because I couldn't bring my feet all the way down yet, just because um, it wasn't a pain. It was just a tightness in my back, and I didn't want to fool around with it. Made blocks. Started going down a little more, a little more every couple weeks. And then I just decided to uh, sign up for um, the WABBL uh, World Cup meet in Wisconsin. And I just told myself it doesn't matter what, what I place, what I do, as long as I'm competing. That's a huge mm-hmm. accomplishment for mm-hmm. me to do that after mm-hmm. everything I've been through. Yeah. And then ended up uh, placing first place, and then and, uh, I benched uh, three, 325 pounds um, completely raw. So I was pretty happy about that. What did you have to do back-wise, training-wise? I mean, has there been a lot of uh, oh. just light rep work? Um, it was, what do we do? Uh, yeah, light, uh, little, uh, I did light weight, a lot of reps um, to start out, and then I just kind of bumped up two and a half pounds, five pounds from there. Um, it was really weird because um, I didn't have any uh, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. They didn't give me any for my back, which I was really surprised. Yeah. Hmm. And um, I just found it. I'd want to... Like you guys uh, earlier said, go on, I went on Google, went on YouTube just for simple, you know, back workouts, stretches. And I still do them to this day when I wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. No, that's much the same with my hip. They were like, okay, you got a new hip. Uh, okay, it's time to go home. Okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm lucky <laughs> that I have people to reach out to, but, um, you know, and that I've trained my whole life, but, uh, yeah, it's weird. Like some of the big surgeries are like, oh, okay, so I'm just set free to do whatever the hell I want, I guess. All right, but yeah, that's so what, what they sent me home after my surgery when I woke up and I was all right. I, I went home. What? I didn't stay a night in the hospital or or anything. Like how you said, they just sent me on home. So hmm. what's the prognosis then, as far as squatting and deadlifting and stuff again? Um, uh, I'm probably uh, I want to deadlift again, but not anytime soon. Just mm-hmm. um, I'm more more uh, focused on my bench mm-hmm. but i feel like i can deadlift again it's just like i just want to take it all slow I, I made it this far without injuring my back again yeah i mean i don't i hope i hope it doesn't happen again yeah but i mean it, i just want to take it nice and slow and hopefully there's one day i can deadlift again you know yeah and that brings on the whole mental side of it i mean it's, it's something i'm dealing with now it's like so i got cleared like i went for my eight week checkup a week and a half ago and he's like, okay, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want except for wreck, like, on water skis. And I was like, okay, so I can do whatever I want. I <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know, just don't get hit by a car. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is going in. I've, I've went in since, and I've deadlifted 300, and I've squatted 300. But, I mean, the whole awesome. time I'm doing it, it's my mind's on nothing but is my hip going to pop out. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it's coming back from the mental side of it that I think is almost – almost harder you know and i mean like you talked about in your bench it's just it's you are now aware of these odd feelings you wouldn't be aware of before you're like hypersensitive to something that feels a little weird whereas you know if before your injury if your back was a little tight you'd say oh come on matt don't be a pussy put your feet on the floor and bench yeah and now it's like i don't know man you know i just went through this massive surgery with my back i don't want to do that again so you're, you know you're, you take everything a little slower and i mean 
like I said, I mean, 300 on, on deadlift was, was super easy for me, but eight weeks prior, you know, I couldn't tie my own shoe. So it's like, I don't want to be there again, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so it's, exactly. this, it's this hard comeback of that you have to face as a lifter of, is it worth it? You know, and mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, until I, I face that monkey, at least I'm not going to, I know I won't be anywhere near what I was, you know, I got to mm-hmm. overcome that, the, the mental aspect before I ever do anything. And that's yeah. why I quit strongman. You know, I blew my, blew my first bicep doing Atlas stones and mm-hmm. I did three or four competitions after that. And then every competition I got my butt handed to me in the stones because the whole time I'm thinking, Instead of just lifting the stones and going mindless, my head was on, okay, does the bicep hurt? Nope, doesn't hurt. Okay, keep going. And I was just slow and mm-hmm. it was like, I got to quit. You know, I'm done because I'll, I'll never be good when all I'm thinking about is, am, am I going to blow that arm again? So, mm-hmm. um, no, hey, it's an interesting. Well, let me ask you, let me ask both you guys, really. Uh, Matt, what do you think about then? Because the mental thing, you're right. It's very interesting to me and I think to a lot of listeners. What did you think about, or, or what are you thinking about? How are you dealing with that, like that trepidation that Phil's talking about? Like, oh my God, something's off, or you know what I mean? I, like, what are you focusing on? Mm-hmm. What's your focus? Because um, I mean, I haven't deadlifted ever since I hurt my back. I'm just like benching. I just try to think. I, I mean, honestly, just not try to think about it, but mm-hmm. just make sure I'm all aligned. I feel comfortable before I even hand, like before I even start benching or even before um they lift the bar out i just make sure my feet are planted in the right i mean in the right position a lot more than i used to i ask them if i'm straight on the bench and i'm a lot more i guess you could say cautious because like before i would just go on there you know set my feet dig my dig my shoulders into the bench and go but now it's just like another a whole other step and a whole other level of getting prepared to just bench mm-hmm. and if i feel anything goofy if i feel my back tight i just have my spotter my spotters pick the bar up and i go back down and if it i feel fine mm-hmm. i just continue doing it so you just focus on the lift it, rather than like obsessing over the past injury basically yep mm-hmm. but yeah like you said it's all on mental i just try to think of something else i guess you can say yeah and i know for me it's not like part, of, I don't know. It's a weird like like dichotomy because I mean one one part of me is like, dude, you're a pussy. You squatted two twenty five. Yeah, that's like, always going to be like twenty five percent. And uh, but then the other part of me is is like, man, that's badass. You, you know, you were in a walker six weeks mm-hmm. ago. You know, so I mean, it's and I guess it's just reaching a point where you're focusing on you know, I'm doing more than I was yesterday, so that's good. And you got it. You yep. have to find a way to erase. You got, when you have a massive injury, you just got to throw old PRs out the window and start over. I mean, that's the only because if not, you're just going to beat yourself up. Like you know, yep. it, it's a hard thing to face. And I mean, none of us are getting any younger. And you know, like me and Wendler have talked about this a lot of times. It's like we're starting to reach that point where we're like we're fighting not to go forward, but fighting not to go backward. And then you throw a massive injury in the mix, and it's like all of a sudden you just got jettisoned backwards. <laughs> and I guess I can look at it as, I mean, that's my chance to go back up. You know, how many people have come back from a, a massive injury? And, you know, luckily I have, with, with my injury, I have people to look up to that have done it, like Ed Cohn and Dave Tate and stuff like that have had the same process I had. And, I mean, I guess with you, Louis Simmons, having 
numerous massive back injuries and things like that. You have you have people to look up to, but uh, yeah, it's oh, a yeah. different story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Matt, let me ask you. So just to clarify, they took that that nucleus pulposus, right? That that center jelly like material. Um, when people say slip disc, right, they're just they, – it means the, the center part, the contents of the disc is just bulging and pushing on nerves, right? And that's what they removed? Correct. They removed that for uh, for you uh, on how many discs or was it one disc or – It was all four. Okay, okay. Yeah, because it was ruptured and uh, when they did the surgery, they said that um, the surgery was only going to be about two, two hours long and it ended up being uh, three hours because um, I had all my – the most of my pain was because my nerve was pinched in so many other spots. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. From from my back, but uh, like to this day, I still have no feeling from on my left leg, my from my knee down. Mm. I mean, I just when I walk, I kind of when I'm not paying attention, I'll kick something and I'll, and I'll like, wow, really? I didn't see that <laughs> right there. I'll kick it uh, when I'm trying to walk around, like over my dog. I'll like stumble upon my dog and. I feel bad. It's just, I mean, it makes makes me definitely pay attention more because if I hit something, and I mean, I won't know until I do it. Yeah. <clears throat> so what do they do then? Do they just put some other kind of jelly material in there? To tell you the truth, I really don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's true they didn't put because I know they didn't put any metal in me or anything mm-hmm. like that, like a fake disc. They didn't do anything like that. Because you don't think, I mean, I wouldn't think they'd just let discs rest against each other. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not a freaking... Yeah, I think if you do a Google search, uh, you could find some good information on how they yeah. they'll suck out that center portion uh, of the disc mm-hmm. that's bulging. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still disc material there, you know, between the vertebrae. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I'm no expert on you know exactly what the the prognosis is. Yeah. Which actually that mm-hmm. begs a question for me, which is like, how important do you think it is? I mean, both you guys are saying. The physical therapy, there was really not a lot of follow-up and stuff, and that's that's very interesting, actually. How important is it to be part of your own medical care in all this? I mean, if oh. you're told, if you're told, oh, it's not that big a deal, you know, like you were alluding to, Matt, or like Phil, you know, you're like you're left to your own resources. Mm-hmm. How important is that being a super active part of your own medical care? I mean, I got to think I that's think, huge. I think. It depends oh, on huge. what type of person you are. I mean, I think if you're the average person that doesn't do what we do, like most people would be totally happy with where I'm at now. Now, if you're an athlete, no, it's not acceptable. You know, I mean, I have to learn how to do everything again and everything that I enjoy doing. I have to learn how to deadlift again. I have to learn how to squat again. I have to learn how to walk correct. I mean, most people mm-hmm. would be happy in the fact that, hey, I can tie my own shoe, I can ride in a car with no pain, and I can pick up my kid. Yeah, no so doubt. So life is normal. Yep. You know, and for me, normal is much more complicated than that. <laughs> you, know? you know what? Actually, Phil, <clears throat> along those lines, my sister's an orthopedic surgeon, right? And I asked her once years ago, uh, I said, how do you reattach that hamstring, get the tension exactly right in this and that? You know, do you use like little strain gauges? And how do you get the tension? Because, you know, too much tension, you'd be tight all the time, too mm-hmm. loose, you'd feel blown out. And... um she might have been oversimplifying things for me, but she alluded to something along the lines mm-hmm. of, oh, no, we just sort of smooth those hamstrings down and let them scar into place. You know, mm-hmm. for most people, you know, some old lady, that's gonna, she's going to yeah. walk around just fine with that. And I'm like, yeah. okay, wait, what? You know, you yeah. don't actually physically reattach. You just sort of, you know, let wow. it sort of heal. 
you know, after the, the surgery. And uh, that's what when they reattached my triceps, it was mm-hmm. the same thing. He's like, you know, we could just let that go. He said, you'd probably have like 75, 80 percent function, yeah. you know, and yeah. and I'm like, that's completely unacceptable, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because just knowing the tendon wasn't attached, you know, surgically, wasn't stapled mm-hmm. back down somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Well, so yeah, that's, that's a good point. Thing. I mean, I was facing with my hip. It was, I think it was six weeks and I stopped clunking. Like I would walk and I would literally feel it go clunk inside me. And that was the weirdest oh, thing. Oh, man. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. things tightened up enough to where it stopped that. But, I mean, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I mean, with me, it's the biggest fear was the whole, yeah, if you do something stupid, it'll just pop out. And it's like, I don't want that. To, you know, that sounds worse than the original. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible. So, <laughs> I mean, that was the biggest thing to stop me. And I was like, okay, so I'm not going to do anything. So, I mean, my life was leg extensions and leg curls um, and things like that. But And then I got cleared, and, and it was like, okay, let's let's start this thing. So, I mean, it was kettlebell swings and things like that. But, I mean, it's, yeah, largely you're just left on your own, and you have to – for me, it's basically being like we talked about earlier, hypersensitive. And if anything feels off, I just don't do it. You know, you just stop mm-hmm. and come back and I'll try it another day. Well, you know, yeah. even the procedure yeah. itself, I mean, second opinion, stuff like that. I mean, I've, I've bitched about this before and it sounds like you had maybe a similar situation, Matt. But I mean, I, I was given ibuprofen. No shit. Ibuprofen. Yep. And I, you know, and then subsequently, like the next day, I turned black from my wrist to my nipple and I'm like, ibuprofen you know so i luckily i knew an orthopedist and i went to this guy Mm -hmm. and and because i knew you you know you only have so much time when you completely rip something free Mm -hmm. you've got like about a 10 day window before the scar tissue starts to interfere and all that and you you know you want to get it reattached and all that but with you did you feel like there was a certain element of misdiagnosis or like you had to step in and say no i'm telling you that's not it you know Mm -hmm. You know, it's actually funny that you say that. Um, when I came home from World, when I hurt my back and I knew something was wrong, we went to the hospital here, and the lady said, oh, you know, we're, we're going to do a CAT scan. We'll send you home. And I looked at her, and I'm not the person, you know, to get all mad and make a big scene, but I was like, I- I'm in, like, the worst pain. I've never felt pain like this before. Yeah. And, I mean, I got bitten by a brown recluse spider. That hurt. And... I was like, this isn't right, and I had to make a, I had to argue with her, and nothing against, like, doctors, but, you know, they, they don't like to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I just said, I'm like, can I please get an MRI done? Can I please get an MRI And I kept asking, and I'm like, I'm not leaving until I get this done. Right. And, I mean, finally, the they let me do it, and the doctor came in and apologized. I was, first, I was surprised. Yeah. And then they finally found out, you know, I had the ruptures and the torn disc, and and it just kind of surprised me. And then when I had my back surgery, I probably got, like, three or four opinions. Yeah. And, like, there was this one, I don't know his name, but this one surgeon came in, and uh, it was actually because I woke up one day, and I couldn't move my legs. I was like, the worst feeling I've ever had in my whole entire life. I mean, mm. I couldn't move. Oh, man. Just the pain was so bad, and... We went to the same hospital, and the doctor's telling me, oh, you need to hurry up and all this. My like, man, can you just give me a second? Like, I'm, I can't <laughs> like, barely move. And yeah. he's, like, moving my bed by, like, fast and all this. And I just, I mean, yeah, I got, I want to say I got four opinions on my back because mm-hmm. all the 
other ones wanted to do a fusion. Mm-hmm. And the one I went to the University of Michigan, um, he wanted to do a fusion, but he said, you know, let's take this route. He, he was more, I guess, we're on the same page. Yeah. And he said, you know, there's no limitations. You can, you'll be able to deadlift again. It's, you know, it's just up to you and how much your body can take. And if something doesn't, then back to the thing, if you don't feel comfortable doing it, don't do it. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing people need to get. I mean, I had the same thing with my hip. The first guys I went to, it was, yeah, okay, let's go in. Let's do it. We're going to use this. You'll be able to pick up 45 pounds again. No. <laughs> you know, and people forget that, you know, doctors are, you're the client and there are other doctors out there and like, you know, find the mm-hmm. one that will give you as close to the prognosis and, and cure that you want. Cause there are, there are choices out there and people forget that. I mean, they, they seem like they get in this, they get with this primary care physician and okay, well he's sending me there. So that's where I go. It's like, no, you, you know, you're, you're the client. If you don't like it, fire him and right. move on, yeah. you know? Yep. And I don't know what it is in the in the uh, medical industry. People forget that. Well, yes. I think it's the establishment. I mean, everything is built around, and this sounds a little negative, but sort of subjugating the patient. You know, mm-hmm. like, you're, you're going to wait a good long time before I come out to see you. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is sort of, you know, MD, minor deity sort of thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not saying that medical doctors are they're all badly misdiagnosing yes. people all yes. over but uh just a couple of weeks ago um about my elbow you know because it's swelling up gigantic like literally like a softball and uh, the physician who i actually like i've known the guy for years he goes oh i know it's a nuisance and i'm like let me reiterate something to yeah. you you know this is not a nuisance i can't move my arm you're telling me i can't do any to- sort of arm extension i can't bench press this is not because te- he kept saying tendonitis yeah. Or bursitis, and I'm like, yes, it's bursitis, but this was an event. I, yeah. I need to reiterate to you that something occurred. It was in my training log on March 7th, mm-hmm. and this went from the stronger of my two elbows to useless. You know, yeah. something happened. This is not a slow onset of tendonitis or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, I just feel like I need to reiterate that because I, I, I somehow I feel like you guys aren't hearing me. Yeah, you know, and I'm I was very forceful like that. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't see myself firing this particular guy. You know what I mean? Because I trust his opinion. I mean, he did give yeah. me the MRI scan and all that. You know, at least I didn't have to fight for that. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, it is good I, to keep in mind, though. I think that you're the person with the money or the coverage mm-hmm. or whatever. You're the customer. A customer mm-hmm. is right in a lot of... I mean, I'm not saying pretend that you have medical expertise, but yes. like you said, Phil, there was one doctor um, for a completely different issue years ago. Uh, I can't explain it other way, any other way except what you, the way you put it. I fired his ass. Yeah. You're fired. What you yeah. just told me was completely wrong. Yeah. You know, and um, I, I do think you have to... I mean, you're the one who feels your body. You know, and so, but at the same time, some patients I'm sure are alarmist and they're beating up a wrong tree and they need that calm, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, demeanor of the physician to say, no, trust me, I've seen this. Well, and again, I mean, the average person would have been fine with a hip that they could lift 45 pounds. That's a good distinction. (laughs) Yep. And that's what this guy did. You know, he was older and he was just setting his ways and it was like, yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. 45 pounds. You can pick up box paper. You're, you're good. No. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'm well, not hey, along, I need to pick up 800 pounds again, but damn it, I want to be active. Right, you know? right. Well, along well, those exactly, lines, yeah. Matt, what are you thinking about? Like, what are your goals? I mean, because you got to be questioning 
you know, is it worth it for me to try to squat and dead heavy again? You know what I mean? That's got to be in your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, what are your are you just going to focus on bench for the foreseeable future and not even think about it for a couple of years or, or what? Um, I mean, I was probably, um, like how you just said, like take bench and then maybe, you know, in two, three years, maybe, I mean, start doing the, I mean, just like start doing the bar. And mm -hmm. if I can do more than that, I mean, I'm not going to throw 400 pounds on 405 on, you know, yeah. the deadlift bar and just go up to it and try it. I mean, um, I mean, I'll probably try to come back into it in a couple of years, but right now, I mean, I was always a big bench. I loved the bench, and then one of my other buddies that I compete with, he's like, oh, you know, you should deadlift. You know, you'll like it. And I was like, I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm never really not a big deadlifter. And I mean, I hurt myself deadlifting, and I'll tell you the truth, it, I, I absolutely still love it. I mean, yeah. it was just some a simple little mistake that I did. Well, and that's but, the hard um, part is too is like you said you love it and that's the hardest part for me is that I'm afraid I'll do something stupid like I have to mm -hmm. stop myself yes. from, okay, let's throw two more hundreds on there yes because it feels good and I have to be like nope put the fives on <laughs> you know? right because yeah. I could see myself mm -hmm. just let's let's do this and well it's it embarrassing you know it's embarrassing yeah. to go in the gym like lately I've been doing like I'm just squatting two and a quarter two seventy five I, I I'm doing flies because i can't yeah. i can't do much with my elbow everything i look at it wrong and it swells up you know what i mean it's just yeah. so frustrating because it's part of your identity it's who yes. you are it is and that's the hardest part mm -hmm. i mean i'm doing freaking deadlifts with what i usually roll right <laughs> you know? yes so, yes um, it's like you're a meal you're like a meal you know you don't know when to stop you can't stop you know? yes. like luckily i have people there like my team like people on my team they're like oh you know they make two and a half and five pounds for a reason, you know. You don't have to throw a twenty-five or a thirty-five on. It's mm -hmm. just I just watch that stuff now and like before my back and try to throw another plate on there if I wanted to. Yeah, exactly. But um, just, if I had to say anything, I mean, you probably agree with me when I say this. Just baby steps. Yep. That's what I when I got back into the gym, I said, you know, I don't care if people look at me differently because oh, you know, I just seen that kid, you know, he bent he. Benchers like over 300 pounds while he's over there benching the bar. Yeah. You know, I just said baby steps will turn, you know, weeks into months, and those baby steps will just turn into huge, you know. Yes. Over over, over a time, a period of time. Yeah, when you good start advice. doing the math, just, adding five pounds at a time adds up pretty quick. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Advice. I need to get out, guys. So. All right, fellas. Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. That's been a good show. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Oh, no. Thank you. I, it was a pleasure doing it. Hopefully, that come back to you guys and do another show for sure so it keep it fun. up and let us know how things are going so and we'll go from there i will definitely do that yep you guys take care and thank you like again thank you for having me awesome, awesome. have a good day hey listeners have you seen the store at ironradio.org there are three halls in the store one for phil one for fortress and one for myself dr lowry and they're thematic so you can go into our halls of iron store and choose based on your goal if you need something to learn or read or something nutritional you can look in my store uh, lonnie's store if you want something about injury prevention 
uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org. And um, let us know what you think on the forums. And certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.